for those who haven't been following along or you haven't been in a couple weeks, we're in a series called Lost in Real Life and talking about major areas in life where we feel lost in. And we talked about, you know, the feeling of being unfulfilled or disappointed or disconnected. This morning we're talking about uh, when you feel exhausted. And, and I don't know about um, you, but I feel exhausted. <laughs> And I think springtime is an especially exhausting time of life. I think it's more exhausting uh, than even like Christmas or winter time. And, and I know like for if you're in college, you got finals and you got exams and papers due and it's starting to get nice out and you want to go out and do those sort of things and work. You're kind of gearing up, ramping up, trying to get stuff done, maybe to get out or get on a vacation. If, if you have kids... It, it just gets crazy, you know? I mean, so we're all day yesterday at the baseball field, you know, whether it's softball or Little League, and it's just practice, and it just seems like you just add to, add to, add to. And, and so as we hit this, I, I just want to say um, where we're going <laughs> may be, uh, at very least, I know for me, because when I stepped into this week, the word I used, even though it just came off, was I'm exhausted. I'm just tired. You know, I mean, you just don't have to add a lot to the plate for me to feel depleted right now. It just seems like there's so much going on with work and with, you know, relationships and with people and kids' schedule and school. I cannot wait for school to be done. I cannot wait for baseball to be done. I cannot wait for everything to be done. I just want to stop and be a hermit for like a month right now. And maybe you feel that way too. Because we live, we live in a busy, busy world and specifically area. What do you do? Or, or maybe better yet, how do you experience rest in a chaotic world. Uh, let me just ask maybe a, a few diagnostic questions as we start, maybe, maybe to help settle the soul for some of us and maybe set up where we're going. But, but, but how do you experience like peace in the midst of a world that says you got to go, 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 go bigger, more, faster, better. Don't stop. Those who stop, get passed by. Go. Let me ask you a few questions here. Do you find, do you find that you are living a hurried and rushed life, but don't have time for the things that matter most to you? I mean, just current with your schedule, because I would suggest if that's where you're at, I think God wants to speak to you. Do, you. do you find that you're living a hurried or rushed, hectic, chaotic schedule, but, but find that you don't have time for the people that matter most, the friendships that matter most, the, uh, the, the time that you long for just with you and God? Do you find that you're living a hurried, rushed life and don't have time for those things that matter most? Do you find that you f often say it's just a season? But that season never ends, you know? And you're like, you're like, 
hey, how's it going? <laughs> busy. It's a badge of honor, by the way, in our culture. Like, if you don't say busy, something's wrong with you. There's a sickness of your soul. You're like, man, if you say good, you know, it's like, okay, that's just surface level. And if you say, man, I'm doing great. I'm rested. This is awesome. They're like, um, what's, what's wrong with him? Busy, you know. Do you find, do you find yourself saying it's just a season? It's going to slow down, but that season rarely comes to an end. Is your schedule overwhelming you, and do you feel like your soul is underwhelmed? You feel like there's an emptiness, maybe there's an ache, that the interior world, you're not even sure what's going on inside because you're so busy with what's happening outside of you. This one, I think, brings it to a head, brings it to a point. Are you enjoying life? I mean, are you? I mean, are you enjoying life? It's interesting. The Bible would say that the joy of the Lord is our strength. One of the evidences of being a follower of Christ is, is joy. That this deep connection with God, this deep relationship with him, he would say that uh, it's that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be complete. That's um, John chapter 15. Let me just ask you, how's your joy? Are you too busy to have fun? Too hurried to rest? Is it too chaotic to notice? How do you experience rest? in a chaotic world. Like I said earlier, I came into this week just exhausted. And and if I'm honest, I get up to just kind of snuff, and it doesn't take a whole lot to just take me right back down. And so I'll start to feel good, and then something gets added to the plate, and I'm just like... And Tuesday night, I didn't want to originally do this because I was tired. But... I said I would, and so I always try to fulfill my commitments, except to my kids when I said you could have a dog, and it's been two years. (laughs) Other than that, I'm pretty good on my word. And so I showed up Tuesday night to uh, what Judy is leading, a prayer um, uh, workshop. Powerful, by the way. If you haven't gone, you need to go. It's happening this Tuesday night at our offices. But I showed up not knowing what to expect, not knowing um, even what I really needed. And honestly, I showed up just to be like, hey, I'm your fan. I want you to know I'm behind you. I'm so thankful that you're doing this. And in that moment, God showed up and spoke. And, and Judy shared one verse that wrecked me. And that moment was just one of those where I just felt God just pouring into my soul. And I just simply want to share that one verse this morning. In fact, it's half of a verse. I want to teach one verse, and by the way, you most likely won't learn anything new. So if you want to learn something new, come back next week, hopefully. But but here's the reality. You will memorize half a verse because I'm going to say it so many times that you're going to think I ran out of things to say. I didn't. It's intentional. 
But the issue isn't, isn't new. It's what do you do? When we're talking about experiencing rest in the chaotic world, the issue isn't new. You don't need new information. The question is, what do you do with what you already know? And so at the end of this, I'm going to just give you a specific call to do something. In fact, the application for this, I'm going to to share one verse about experiencing rest from God's Word that I think is the most powerful verse in all of Scripture that He wants to speak to you if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling busy, chaotic, and hurried and give a couple observations on it, and then I'm just going to give three applications that are all the same application, just said a little differently. But the issue, by the way, I just want to start here before we even dive in, because this will do you no good. As it does me no good, is it isn't new. But what do you do? All right, you ready for the verse? The verse is simply this, Psalm 46.10. It says this, be still and know that I am God. Be still. It's hard, isn't it? Stillness. It's uncomfortable at times, isn't it? And know that I, I am God. In fact, just do this and just engage with me a little bit on this, would you? Would you just say that verse with me? I, I seriously, you're going to have this memorized by the end of today. Be still and know that I am God. All right, that was okay. Let's try it again. That's okay. No. All right, you ready? Here you go. One, two, three, go. Be still. That's great. That's great. See, hidden in this one half of a verse is the secret to experiencing rest in the chaotic world. See, experiencing rest in a chaotic world is as simple and yet as difficult as being still. That's it. Be still. God says, you're overwhelmed with work, you're under pressure, you don't have enough time. He would say, be still. Say, the home life is going crazy and the house is a wreck and you don't have enough uh, hours in the day to check your to-do list, he would say, be still. School life is overwhelming and you have so much work and so many things and you're just feeling like the RPMs of your soul are rushing so fast and you can't quiet your soul. He would say, be still. It means to cease striving question is what are you striving after stop working be still it's as simple (laughs) and yet as difficult as that right there i I love what david says later on in in a psalm he he says this in psalm 131 2 he says but i have stilled and quieted my soul Hey, you, you want to know something? The waves around me may be crashing, and, and he was undergoing all kinds of things of being the king of Israel and all kinds of demands and all kinds of pressure and invading armies and all the rest. And he says, you know what? 
You know what I? I have in the midst of all that stilled and quieted my soul. And what you need to know is the ownership of quieting or being still is on you. No one else will do it for you. Some of you have been waiting. <laughs> when's my boss going to give me a break? Or when, when's someone going to relieve this? Or when's this going to happen? He said, no, no, no. No, you are responsible, by the way, we'll talk about it in a few weeks, for your spiritual development. You're responsible here for quieting your soul. And David said, you know what? I have stilled and quieted my soul. Let me give you a few reasons why I think it's difficult for us to be still, why it's difficult for us to quiet our souls. The first is, is we just have a busy life, don't we? We just have a lot going on. There's all kinds of stuff happening around us. And, and there's just, you know, for me, I'll just give my example, and maybe you have, you know, your own other ones. I got work. I got, you know, meetings at night. I got, you know, all kinds of people that want to be able to talk. And I'm like, oh, I love that. I love being able to talk about your life. I love being able to talk about how God intersects your life. But then I got a family on top of that. And we got school and homework and then sports. And we chose sports. That's our choice. And then, but it added more to that. We just live busy lives. We live in a busy world. And, and just take this lovingly, because some of us are, oh, man, it's so busy, it's so busy. Yeah, welcome to life. <laughs> Life's busy. It's not going to change. In fact, it's only going to get worse, most likely. Welcome to life. And that's actually what I wanted to title the, uh, um, this whole series, by the way. I, I didn't. Instead of Lost in Real Life, I just want to say welcome to life and talk about all the things that are true about life and just suck it up, um, but <laughs> not be very pastoral of me. <laughs> but first reason it's hard to be still is we just live, we have busy lives. The second is we feel guilty. Especially, we're talking Mother's Day. I, I think moms feel this more, but I, I think it's, uh, certain personalities feel this more. But I, I've noticed this, especially like with moms, is feel guilty for being still. Feel guilty for taking time. There's always more. There's always next. And, and you know what? When I get my to-do list done, then I'll feel free to be still. But until that to-do list is done, until these things are done, and the problem is, the problem is, is what? You know what? You're never done. Ever. And especially for those who have kids, it's never done. And how, how, how can you be still when your kids need fed and you feel guilty? Now, now those are things that uh, all humanity has felt through the course of time. There, there's one reason that it's difficult to be still that is new to our uh, stage in humanity, stage in life, I guess. Uh, and it's simply this, and it's a word you may or may not know, um, but I know all of you experienced it, is that th it's hard to be still because of nomophobia. Anybody? No? Yeah, it's new to me too. Nomophobia is, the, is a uh, clinical disorder of anxiety of being away from your phone. This is a real clinical disorder that is being treated by psychiatrists, psychologists, and it's the, the fear or the anxiety of being disconnected from your phone. Nomophobia. 66% uh, of adults 
have nomophobia. Uh, when you get to the ages of 18, 24, they say it's up to 77%. One guy in the last service said 104%. <laughs> and nomophobia is this, is if you check your phone the first thing in the morning and you check your phone the last thing at night, you most likely have nomophobia. Now, nomophobia is this whole idea that, you know what, if you happen to leave your phone and left it, there, there's this anxiety, like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I need my phone. I, you know, and you just kind of feel this like stress of like, okay, I, I got to know what's going on. And if you don't have your phone, it's, it's like, I feel, I feel naked, and thank God you're not naked because that would be weird, but you feel naked because you don't have your phone on you. Interesting, studies show 58% of people don't go one waking hour without checking their phone. 65% of adults sleep with their phone. goes up to 80% of teens sleep with their phone. 30, this is a little, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll just give it to you. 34% of people check their phone during uh, intimate moments. Let's say that. We'll just say it that way. Wasn't sure how to say that, but but that kind of shows nomophobia. It's like seriously, you can't even be the people with you're with in the most intimate times, and you have to check your phone. Eighty-four percent of people, eighty-four eight out of ten, eighty-four percent of people believe they couldn't go one day without their phone. Here's what it does. Here's what it does. Here's the reason why this is such a big deal. Because life's busy. And so oftentimes we feel guilty. But you know those moments when you have nothing to do? No, you don't. Okay. The reason you don't know those moments is, is in the moments you know you don't know what to do, you do what I do. You pull out your phone and you just begin to check and you check Facebook and you check Twitter and you you don't even know why you're checking. You don't even know what you're checking. You're like, oh, what's the weather like? I obviously didn't get the memo because it's hot outside and I'm wearing a sweater and I'm warm. I should have checked that this morning. And we check. And here's what's so interesting. Our society has lost the discipline of being bored. <laughs> this is really big for those who have kids and those one day who want to have kids. Boredom is the pathway to creativity. You want to have creative kids, you just make them be bored. Get them off their phones, get them outside. Get them off their phones, give them a sheet of paper. But we as adults have lost the ability to be bored, to just be. We can't just be. We just need something in front of us. We keep our minds constantly engaged, and so it becomes actually an addiction. The reason it's hard, difficult, just simply being still. Life's busy feel guilty, and then we're constantly connected. We have nomophobia. If you go all the way back to the very beginning and how God ordered life, I, I, you find something really interesting. And, and my hypothesis on life is if I order my life in the way God has ordered his world, I, I'll experience great fulfillment. And a lot of times we don't order our lives with the way God has ordered his world and, and so we experience great friction. But if you begin to go, okay, God, how did you design? If there is a creator and I'm created by him, then there's a created way for me to engage this world. 
When you go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, it's so fascinating because when he's talking about the creation of time, he's talking about the creation of days, he's talking about the creation of the world. He says, he says when on the first day, first day of creation, there was evening and there was morning, day one. And then he goes on to say this about day two after he did all his creating. Uh, and he says, there was evening and there was morning day two. And he goes all the way through. There is evening and there is morning. See, in God's economy, in God's order, he says you start with rest and move to work, not start with work and then move to rest. And there is a vast difference between the two. In, in our order of life, we start with breakfast. Our day starts in the day, and we start with work, and we hit the day, and then we just collapse on the bed and just go, I hope to get enough rest for the next day. And God says, no, 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 you begin with rest. The beginning of your day is dinner. It says you begin with rest, and out of a resting, you then do the working God has created you for. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, an old saint, uh, said it this way. He, he gave this illustration, and I, I find this is where we often land, uh, I, uh, where I often land. He said this way, there, there are two types of people. There are river people and there are reservoir people. A river simply gushes in what it has immediately out. A reservoir waits until it's filled up and out of the overflow then gives. See, that's the difference between evening and day. Starting from rest, moving to work, or starting from work, moving to rest. Application here, see, it's as simple as difficult as being still, is simply recharge daily. Recharge daily. How many of you, by the way, would, um, your phone, just be honest, moment of honesty, charge your phone every single day? Yeah. Why? Because it'll die, and then you'll die because you can't live without your phone. Isn't it interesting that we often take far better care of our stuff than our souls? That when our gas tank's on E, we fill it up. When our car needs oil, we change it. And yet when it comes to you, and you are the one responsible, God's entrusted you the stewardship of taking care of his son or daughter, you, that you don't take care of you, you don't take time to recharge your soul. Recharging. It's as simple as just simply taking five minutes and being still. Being present. Taking the distractions out. I mean, what would it look like if you just took five minutes that our church fathers would call it solitude and silence? See, solitude and silence, one writer said, is the, is the richness of the soul. Isolation is the poverty of soul. Isolation is what we want when we don't recharge our souls and we just want to get away from people. Solitude is the richness of being able to be present and aware of what God's doing. And go, God, what are you doing in me? What do you want to do through me? And you begin to be attentive to what's happening inside. 
Recharging your soul is as simple as going for a run for some, going for a walk. I, I, uh, I work with my mind. I sit and think a lot. And so as a result, recharging for me often happens with my hands. For those of us who work with our minds, who sit and think, most, most of the time we have to recharge uh, viscerally with our hands. For those who work with your hands, most oftentimes you recharge with your mind. And it needs to be as different as you are a person, yet it's dependent on your season. It'll change depending on your season of life, what recharging looks like. But, but would you say, I'm going to recharge daily? This isn't an option. It can be as little as taking five minutes of quiet. It can be as little as simply going out and, you know, I garden. I know for some of you, I just lost points, but I'm okay with that because it recharges my soul. I'm excited to see my plants grow every day. I know it's weird, but I planted corn this year, and I can't wait. I've never grown corn. I'll go out there, and I'm like, it's getting bigger. <laughs> I know. I'm a nerd. It's okay. Experiencing rest in the chaotic world, it's as simple and yet as difficult as being still. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. Be still. Would you choose? Would you choose? I have stilled and quieted my soul. Would you recharge daily? But, it, but it's not just disengaging. It's about intentionally engaging. It's not just disengaging and stopping. There, there's an intentional focus. And remember that verse. Remember Psalm 46.10. Be still and then help me out. Help me out. And no. And no. And. I love that. And. It's not just stop over here. Be still and. And. Put something with it. Don't just disengage. Intentionally engage. I love how the prophet Jeremiah said it. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads. And for some, you're at a crossroads. For some, you're at your wits end. You're tired. And the next straw that hits you might break your back. And you're at the crossroads. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask. Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. You'll find rest for your soul. Would you consider maybe disengaging a few of these as you begin to recharge? Would you consider disengaging your phone for, for a time? Now, I'm not talking all the time. I love technology. I love all the stuff. I'm a fan. I have a, I have a phone. I have a tablet. I have a computer. I, you know, all that stuff, okay? So I'm not anti. Don't hear me that. I'm not anti. But, but would you consider disengaging in certain seasons your phone, maybe your email, yeah, I, I, where, I have it written down somewhere. It's like 58% of people check their email as it comes in. And 89% of people check their email on vacation. We have a hard time disengaging, stopping. Would you say, hey, there's a place where I just kind of put this up. Oh, it makes me feel anxious. <laughs> That's a little hard. Where you would disengage. Social media, internet, TV. You know, there's seasons for our family. We don't do it all the time, but there's times where we just feel like life's so chaotic. We just say, okay, we're done with TV for a season, so we're just not going to turn it on, and we're going to be present. By the way, it's amazing how much time you have when you do that stuff, by the way. 
You're like, I don't have any time. Really? Turn your phone off. Turn your TV off. Don't go to a movie. Yeah, but what do I do with all that time? Oh, I'm glad you asked, actually. Um, engage, engage, disengage, engage. Would you, would you consider engaging in God's word? The word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. That this is God's word, that he breathed into it, that you might grow. That you go, you know what, I'm going to dive into his word. And maybe it's starting with Proverbs, if you're brand new to this, and just reading one chapter a day and saying, God, what do you want me to do with this? By the way, don't leave God's word without applying it. You get to it and you go, okay, God, so what do you want me to do today? What conversations do you want me to do today as a result? I, I would, would you engage in God's word? I don't have time. Turn off the phone. I don't have time. Take Facebook off your phone. You have a lot of time then. Sorry. Would you engage? Maybe, like you just said, five minutes of solitude. Or you just go, I'm going to allow peace to reign in my life. Would you engage prayer, worship? And this is how simple it is. It, because I think we overcomplicate it. We think it's some big deal. On your commute, if you drive, turn the radio off or, or just turn on worship music. It's that simple. If you're on your commute and you do the train, maybe you listen to the Bible on I was going to say on tape. We don't do that anymore, do we? <laughs> it's as simple. You know, one of the practices I do when I feel real chaotic, I just turn the radio completely off. So when I drive, it's silent. And then I just, I, the nice part about in your car, you talk aloud. And the nice part about today is everyone expects you to be talking in your car, you know, so you don't look crazy anymore. You know, you used to look crazy when you just talked out loud in your car because you didn't have the phones. And you're like, why are you talking out loud? Because you're a crazy person. But now everybody talks out loud in their car and you could just not have a phone connected to it. You could have God connected to it and you could be talking out loud in your car, not a crazy person, but experiencing and engaging in, in an ongoing love relationship with your heavenly father. Amen. See, it's not that hard. It's as simple and as difficult as being still. Maybe engage in a walk. You know when Jenny, and I don't always appreciate it if I'm honest, but when, when I'm getting into the grouchy mode, you know what she tells me? She says, Ryan, you need to go for a run. And she's like, you just, No. Out, <laughs> you know. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Okay, I'll go for my run, <laughs> and because why? She's numb. When I go for a run, I meet with God. It freshes my soul. I put on worship music and I just run half an hour. Man, it fills my tank. It recharges my soul. And maybe for you, it's going for a run, going for a ride, going to the beach. I don't know what it is. It's as different as the people in here. It just doesn't mean you don't do anything. And it might look very different in your season of life. Maybe it's a great conversation with a person. That's one of the ones for me that I just love, great conversations with people. Wayne Cordero, a pastor out in Hawaii, said this, friends are rare these days, but it's not because they have diminished in importance. It is because we have increased in speed. Friendship, great friendship, always happens in the margins of life in the space. When you have no margins, your friendships begin to wither. 
And you'd begin to see that as a holy pursuit, as a recharging pursuit, as a God-ordained. He says, it's the with us life. We were designed to do this together, not alone. Would you engage in those? Back to the Genesis account, when God finishes his created order, day seven, he says this. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. Now notice it didn't say God finished all the work that needed to be done. He said God finished the work he'd been doing. He says, I've done enough. He still had to rule the universe and hold all things in his hands. He said, I've just finished the work that I've been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. It's the Hebrew word Shabbat. So we talk Sabbath. He Sabbathed. He stopped work. He took a day as an example to show us how our world, our lives are meant to work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Holy. Holy just simply means set apart, by the way. See, we think if we're going to Sabbath, if we're going to take time like that, it's got to be this fuddy-duddy day. And, and God says, no, 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 put aside your common work. See, you have six days to do everyday common work, and then seventh day is holy, it's set apart to do what's uncommon to the rest of the world. Because in that day, the pagans worked every single day because they didn't know what was going to happen. But the Jewish people were supposed to be different because they had a God who supplied for their needs. And so as an act of faith, not because all work was done, but an act of faith, they said, day seventh I can rest because I have a sovereign God in the universe who said, I'm going to take care of you, and so I'm going to do what's uncommon instead of the common day's work. I'm doing what's uncommon and rest and be still and have fun. I love this. Dallas Willard said this, joy, joy is the serious business of heaven. See, see the invitation here for you and for me is we move from simply um, Recharging daily, the invitation of God is to retreat weekly. And some of you are going to argue your brains, I can't do that. You don't understand the pressures. I got that. And first and foremost, for some, that sounds like, oh, it's Sabbath day, and like, keep it holy. Would you circle the word treat and retreat? If your Sabbath isn't a retreat, I'd argue it's not a Sabbath. Because in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Just saying. So what refreshes your soul? Having an extended time with God? Having a great conversation? Getting an extra workout in? Where you go, you know what, there's six days and I'm going to do all that I can, work hard, I'm going to recharge daily, but the seventh day, I'm going to draw boundaries because no one else will. Your bosses, your employers, your classmates, friends, whoever, will not draw the boundaries. You have to do it. You have to choose. You have to say, you know what, I just don't work that day. Why? Religious reasons. I don't know. I don't know what you want to say. But you just say, I can't do it. I can't email you back this day because I don't ha- keep my phone on Saturdays. I don't keep my phone on Sundays or whatever day your day is. You know what my day is? Saturday. 
I keep it because that's the only day I have with my whole family. You know, because Sunday I work and oftentimes have meetings and then, uh, you know, the rest of the day the kids are in school. So Saturday, that's why, by the way, we almost never do anything as a church on Saturday because I just don't want to be here because my family's more important. You know what's easy too, by the way, when you're around the people that are most important? This is phenomenal. I try it sometime. Back to nomophobia. When I'm with the people who are most important in my life, I don't need this because I'm already with them. You know, when my wife and my three kids are together, I can leave it in the car. I can leave it at home. I don't need to obsessively check it and I don't need to repost or TwitPic or Instagram all of those things that we're doing. By the way, retreating doesn't mean going to Santa Cruz and hanging out and watching, looking at the sunset and going, selfie, post that. <laughs> Just saying. Because that pulls us back into the whole world again. We retreat weekly, not because we finished all of our work. The work will never be done. I love how one writer said, the Sabbath rest is a, coming, is a command we respond to, not a result of nothing left to do. Your to-do list will be there, but it will always be there. Would you recharge daily, retreat weekly, and then let me just give you, let me give you why this is so important. Why you can't afford not to rest. Because if you're like me, and your RPMs run real high, and this is a hard practice, you need to know why, why this matters. See, experiencing rest in a chaotic world, when we do that, it puts all of life into proper perspective. Back to our verse, be still and know what? What are you going to know? I am God. Be still, it's as simple as that, and know, intentionally engage who God is. See, in a hurried, rushed, unquieted soul, we lose perspective, don't we? We forget who's in control. We forget what matters most. We respond to deadlines as if they're going to be the death of us. See, see, the reality that God is I am means what? I am not. Come on. I'm not God. Far too many of us, because we live such hurried, rust lives, live as if we are God, if we are the center of the universe. God's saying, I am God. I am in control. By the way, you can put your phone down, you can take a break, and I can still run the universe. I got it taken care of. When you come back, it'll still be running. I don't need you. Thank you very much. See, God is the I am. I am God. I am creator. 
I am sustainer. The one who will sustain you in the season you're at is not how good you are, but God in you. Paul would say in Colossians, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, when we rest, when we stop, when we take a season, it puts life into proper perspective. I love one theologian said this, the present reality of the sovereign God enables rest. The present reality of the sovereign God I am, not I was, not I will be, I am currently in your situation, in your life, right where you're at. I, not you, I am God. I'm actually in control when your life feels out of control. I'm actually doing just fine and seated on the throne of the universe, even though you're running around frantic. If I'm seated, if you're God seated, you can take a rest. If I'm not worried about it, then you shouldn't be worried about it either. I am God. See, the sovereign God of the universe is the present reality I am, and as a result, you can go, I'm not. I'm not. But it's so good to know I am. I'm not. And so I can rest in the I am of God. I love what uh, Andrew Murray said on this. He said, waiting on God ascribes to God the glory of being all to us. Waiting. Waiting on God. Says, God, you matter more than anything else in my life. Waiting on God says, you know what? I'm going to wait until you move because I don't want to move without you. Wouldn't that be amazing if we just became a church that began to say, you know what? We're not going to move until God moves. We're not going to move until you move because we're waiting on you, God. We need you, God. And my plan isn't all that good anyways because I've seen my plan work out a few different times and it generally doesn't. So God, we're going to wait on you because you are all to me. That's all I need. You're all to me. I can't move forward without you waiting on God ascribes to God the glory that he is all to us. Be still and know that I am God. An application here I'd say is that every once in a while you need to reset annually. You need to reset annually. My uh, I, I have real bad internet connection. I don't know if any of you have real bad internet connection. I won't say the, the name of the company, AT&T. Oh, sorry. Mm. <laughs> Every once in a while, you know what I have to do? I learned from a friend. I have to unplug it, this little router box, because it, like, doesn't work. And I'm probably doing it wrong, so some of you tech guys can help me out a little bit later. And then I plug it back in because it has to reset. There's moments that are more than just simply a, a daily recharge. And I, I challenge you, would you do it? And there's more than a weekly just um, retreating where you have to reset. Where you have to go, you know what, I'm going to take two, three days. I'm going to take 
a week. I'm going to reset. And when you do that, I'll just tell you, it gives you just enough time for the RPMs of your soul to slow down so that you can see what's actually going on in your life. Uh, the place my wife and I and our family resets is actually uh, a family, uh, her parents, family owns a house in Santa Barbara. It's amazing. I'm like, yeah, of course they're going to reset there. Yeah. But it's become this incredible oasis. And every year we go, every year we go, we stop as a family. And it's so powerful to have a place for a season where we get out of the fray and out of all the stuff that's going on. And we just begin to see, because when you get out of it, you can see things more objectively because you're no longer in it and inundated with all this going on around you. You step out and you go, man, why are we doing that? Why are we living at that pace? I don't know. Let's say no to that. That's a good plan. Because it gives you perspective and you need to reset annually. That's why, by the way, we do a retreat every year. That's why we do it at the beginning of the year so that if you don't naturally or you don't know how to reset, we're going to help you reset annually. Waiting on God. Strives to God. The glory of being all to us. Experiencing rest in a chaotic world is just simple. It's being still and knowing. Knowing that he is God. See, I, I don't think this morning I shared anything new. I'm talking to an incredibly bright group question. The question is, what will you do? What will you do? Will you leave inspired? Will you leave challenged? Will you leave convicted? Will you leave or you go, you know what, I'm going to do something different. I'm actually going to set a time on my phone and keep it as if any other meeting. How do you recharge? And it may be different every day. How do you recharge daily? Would you have the courage to retreat weekly, to say this? It's a place where friendships are going to emerge. And a deepening with God is going to grow. <laughs> Bless you. See, I, I, I know. I know probably many of you have heard that verse before. And no, 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 no. All that I just said. What will you do? God, thanks for this time. Thank you that you speak in to our lives and you actually ordered creation and ordered this world that we might operate out of a place of rest that you long for us to experience joy and life and that tension that I believe is in people's soul of longing for that but not yet there, I pray that would be enough tension for them to stop going through the same old things and saying, I can't, and that they would do, they would do something different. And I pray that this would so permeate through our community. 
that when we come in contact with people, they couldn't help but notice we are a people of peace and bring life and joy. In Jesus' name, amen.